ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. Hour number two of Orange Nation underway. Artist of the day, the Beastie Boys. Mike Waters is joining us, Steve. He did not want to come sit next to me in Greensboro. Neither did Griff. Neither did Stan Cotton. So I'm a little for three. All right. You can uh, you can take the next ten minutes off as we uh, I will we'll uh, we'll bring on uh, our good friend Mike Waters from Syracuse.com. Just spoke to you yesterday, Mike, on the uh, the TV side of things. How how are you? You you arrived in Greensboro safely, I take it. Uh, we did. We made our way down here. Listen, and I don't mean to hurt Paulie's feelings. I'm just a little bit busy here. We got into the hotel. Rooms weren't quite ready yet. Uh, you know, all that sort of stuff. Otherwise, I definitely would have hopped over to the Coliseum to see him in person. No, it's okay. It, it makes for a better story if we just say nobody wanted to join him in person. So I'm, I get I'm, that. I'm totally good with that. Um, all right, so we, we <laughs> talked yesterday, and uh, you know, we were debating whether or not Jesse Edwards was going to make uh, all ACC. And, and he did. Landed on the third team, was on the all-defensive team as we expected, finished with the second-most votes uh, on the all-defensive team behind Reese Beekman. Um, were you surprised Jesse was the, was the lone SU representative on the all-ACC team? I was a little surprised. You know, I thought... I thought probably with the way it was going to work is that Jesse and Joe would be splitting a lot of votes and that only one would make the third team. I really kind of thought it might have been Joe. Uh, But, okay, so Jesse got in on third team. What really stunned me was Joe wasn't even among the honorable mentions. Yeah, and Judah was. Yeah, Judah was. And, you know, listen, I know a lot of people, even, you know, some Syracuse fans, you know, will criticize Joe and pick his game apart and whatnot. But you've got the guy who was second in the conference in scoring. And to not even be honorable mention when there's three teams, three all-conference teams, first, second, and third, and then a list of honorable mentions, and off the top of my head, I can't quite remember how many names were there, Uh, but basically it was enough to fill out another team. So I I don't know. Just very hard for me to believe that he's not among the top 20 players in the conference when he's the second leading scorer in the league. Um, But, you know, sometimes this is the way these votes go. I listen, I was the guy that died on a hill that said Juna Mintz should have been rookie of the year. And of course, you know, when you look at the final tally, only, uh, you know, 68 out of 75 voted for Kyle Filipowski. So, hey, listen, I've been wrong and, and been in a minority before, but I've also been right and been in the minority before. And this time I still think I'm right. So there were uh, obviously fifteen in the in the top. And no, I wasn't ignoring what you were saying. I was just you said you didn't know how many players were in the uh, the honorable mention. Uh, so another nine. So it was. So you're talking. He wasn't in the top twenty four, which I, I'm surprised as well. I I, I thought Joe was going to sneak into the the third team. If not, I certainly thought he was going to be honorable mention. But he he wasn't in the top twenty four. Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit of a shocker. I tell you what. Um, I've already talked a little bit with a couple folks close to the program. Uh, not only are they not happy, but I think you're going to see a very motivated Joe Girard tomorrow. Yeah, that's now uh, sometimes makes that sense. can work. In your, you know, sometimes you can come in maybe a little too pumped up. You know, you want to keep your emotions under control. But there, you know, if if you ever wanted to give a kid a, a little bit more motivation. 
Well, then, guess what? (laughs) The media surrounding the ACC just handed some motivation for Joe Girard on a big old silver platter. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, All right, so we we talked a little bit yesterday about adjustments that – you know, both these teams will make from from Saturday to to Wednesday. You know, Wake I think is is a more interesting case because they lost the game, right? Syracuse probably doesn't have to change a whole heck of a lot. Um, Wake probably does, and 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 you brought up a good point yesterday, and we've been discussing it the last several days that that they're probably going to defend Jesse differently. Do you think that they purposely just played a man to man, knowing all along? that they're going to double-team him on Wednesday and they didn't want to show Syracuse how they were going to go about defending him in the game that actually matters? Or was it a case of, all right, let's try this. If it doesn't work, we'll try something different on Wednesday. Steve Forbes, the Wake Forest coach, would be exactly the type of guy to play it the way you suggested. Like, maybe he didn't want to show Syracuse all the cards he was holding and just kind of went out there with a very vanilla game plan. And, and you know, maybe also gave him a chance to see, like, you know what? Let, let's see if we don't have to double-team Jesse Edwards. You know, let's not try anything tricky or, or whatever. Let's just see how we do. Oh, guess what? That definitely didn't work. Um, but, you know, we haven't shown him exactly how we're going to double-team or whatever. And, and now we know what we have to do going in. I could definitely see Steve doing that. Um, you know, on the other hand, now now, now they, Syracuse, you talk about how Wake has to make the adjustments because they lost in Syracuse. Well, Syracuse is going to have to sit here and anticipate what Wake's going to do differently, and I don't think there's, you know, doesn't take much, doesn't take a, a fortune teller to say, well, they're going to defend Jesse differently, and here's how we're going to be prepared. You know, it's not like you're going to start the game and go through, like, the first five, ten minutes and have to call a timeout or yell out from the sideline, hey, hey, switch up what we're doing, or, you know, we're going to have to move move the ball a little more. Um, Jesse, come to the high post. You know, no, you're going to be ready for this. Uh, I, I would imagine they're going to defend Jesse the same way Clemson and Duke did, uh, running a guy at him quickly uh, and probably coming off of, you know, one of the forwards. Uh, either, you know, Chris Bell, if he starts again at the three, or coming off of Benny or Malik Brown, whoever's playing the four. Um, you know, the one advantage now is, you know, Benny Williams has shown that he can knock down a shot. And, you know, if, if you double off of him, you know, maybe he's a little bit better prepared at this point in the season to make somebody pay for leaving him alone. You know, you, you mentioned the, the adjustments that, Wake Forest will make on the offensive end, um, or on the defensive end, rather. How about on the offensive end? Because they, you know, they didn't shoot it well. They're a pretty good three-point shooting team statistically. I mean, I know Monsanto's not there, but they're third in the conference right now in three-point accuracy. They went ten for thirty-nine in the game. Do you think they make many changes on that end, or is it just a case of hey, we're we're getting the shots, we just got to make more of them this time? I don't think they change much on the offensive end. Like you said, they got. Shots. They took 39 threes. They shot well below their season average from three point range. They shoot their season average from three point range. They win the game. Instead of making 10 threes, they make about 13 or 14 and they win that game. So I don't think they change. But the other thing, too, is Steve Forbes can point to his guys and say, you know what? Just protect the ball. 
don't be careless with it. Let's 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 watch how we try to enter it into the lane. You know, Jesse Edwards should not be coming up with five steals. Is what Steve Forbes will be telling his guys. Like you were forcing bad passes into the middle of that zone. Uh, you know, and the flying Dutchman was tipping balls away and, you know, stealing the ball in there. So they had 14 first half turnovers. Wake Forest should probably have 14 turnovers for the entire game, maybe even less. You know, they do that and and they'll be just fine. You know, if they didn't shoot, they shot the ball worse from three point range in the second half than they did the first on Saturday. But because they only committed it two turnovers in the second half, they actually won the second half by a point. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's interesting. I, I do think it's going to be a close game tomorrow, certainly closer than what we saw on Saturday. You, you know, you, you said something a moment ago, Mike, that kind of piqued my interest. You said, you know, whoever's playing the three, dot, 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 whoever's playing the four. What what do you make of this forward rotation? I mean, you know, Justin Taylor was was doing some good things, and, and then he, he doesn't even play the last game. We saw Chris Bell start the whole season and then sit out back-to-back games where he didn't get in. And and then the other, you know, the, the other night against uh, against Wake Forest played a lot of minutes. Uh, you know, Benny's, his, his minutes have been fluctuating. Quadir went from a guy who was, you know, very rarely out there to now he's getting consistent minutes. What what do you make of this forward rotation? And what does it depend on? That's it. I think it depends on, on a couple of key things. I, I think it's Jim Beheim sizing up the opponent, how they're going to play defense, what they've seen on film, and saying to himself, well, listen, if they're going to come out and pressure us a lot, and a few of those teams did, like Clemson and, and Pittsburgh. Quadier Copeland, even though he's not a great outside shooter, might be a good answer at small forward because he's a strong kid. He can put the ball on the floor. He loves to drive into the lane and attack the basket. He's got good size, so he can finish there. And he's a very creative passer. So not only can he go into the lane and create for himself, he's looking for others. I might try that guy, you know, and I think it's just an attempt to try him. Also, Jim Beheim has spoken after a couple recent games, including Saturday, about how well Quadier has been playing in practice. You know, and that, you know, so if, can he just take that next step to go from okay, freshman starting to get it in practice? Can he carry it into a game? So far, Quadier's kind of struggled for that next step. So I think, you know, Jim Beheim's looking how what the kind of opponent he's going up against and saying to himself, you know what. This is not going to be a great day for Justin Taylor, who's more of a spot-up three-point shooter, and against somebody like Pittsburgh, might never get open. Now, at the same time, there is an argument to keep guys like Chris Bell and and Justin Taylor in there, because even though they might be shut down, they're still occupying a defender, which can open things up for Judah or Jesse. So, you know, I think that's why you've seen Chris Bell's return to the starting lineup, Uh, but you know, I, I just think Jim Beheim's playing off of a scouting report. I think he's playing off practice performances, and I think he's also just sort of rolling the dice to see if he can come up with with somebody who's going to have a good day for him. All right, Mike, uh, last one here. Uh, who wins and why? What does your gut tell you? <sighs> My gut tells me that so many things went right for Syracuse on Saturday. I just can't count on everything breaking their way again uh, against this Wake Forest team. Uh, you, you were, we're playing like 30 miles from the Wake Forest campus, and I, I just, I just, you know, I, I look at that team looking for for revenge five days later. I, I, I'd give a slight edge to Wake Forest, but I don't put it out of the question that Syracuse can win this game. 
because they did play well. And they, you know, they got themselves maybe back on some solid footing after that four-game skid. Yeah, uh, I, I'm with you. I think it's going to be a much better, much closer game than uh, than what we saw on Saturday. Noon tip tomorrow down in the Greensboro Coliseum. Mike, as always, we appreciate the time. Enjoy the rest of your night, and uh, we will talk to you again soon. Sounds great, Steve. Have a great rest of your day. All right, you as well. Mike Waters from Syracuse.com. We'll hit a timeout here. Phone line's open. Uh, if you want to check in, now is the time to do so at 315-437-7644. We're back after this on ESPN Radio.